Crime Scene and Cupcakes is an independent podcast created in the Anchor app, funded mainly through advertising. The podcast often has coarse language and disturbing content. Please listen wisely. True Crimers and Dog Lovers, it's Marianne, Dog Mom, Baker, True Crime Podcast Maker, and now we are going to have a talk about dogs in the law, and I figured we would have to start with one of our biggest, brightest, and most amazing stars. Now, I have had the honor of seeing this dynamic duo in action. In fact, when it comes to this early Labrador, I would say his snoot brings all the forensic anthropologists to his yard, wherever that yard might be. Now, Paul Dosty, retired Mammoth Lakes homicide detective, behaved in a typical manly style when his wife first brought Buster the Labrador home. This amazing little black Labrador, he was, he was not groomed from a special litter. He wasn't scrutinized and then chosen. Paul's wife wanted a puppy. So she brought home Buster, an adorable black wriggly little Labrador. And Paul behaved as a guy typically does. We don't need a damn dog. I am not paying attention to this dog. I don't want anything to do with it. For a while, Buster did what a dog does. He wriggled his way right over into Paul's heart. There was something else. Paul started noticing that Buster had a talent. Buster had an amazing nose. And Dosty, being in the field as he is, he knows what these legendary noses are all about. And before long, anyone who works in the field knows legendary Sherlock Bones and his owner, Paul Dusty, with the blue bone, that's the thing Buster will do anything for. And Buster did. Dusty says that Buster's alerts have aided in the recovery and the remains of about 200 people. And he calls Buster his one in a million dog. Maybe... But he's far from the only dog doing this kind of work. Increasingly, law enforcement investigators across the country are putting their faith in dogs like Buster to help find remains, bodies and bones and blood from the missing and the murdered. Cadaver dogs, as these specially trained canines are called, or human remain detector dogs. We have talked about that in a past episode. These dogs have been used in searches after the terror attacks of September 11, 2001 and to help find victims of natural disasters such as Hurricane Katrina. And what a lot of people don't realize is after the terror attacks of 9-11, as the dogs were looking to find the victims, the dogs became so depressed. I mean... It just absolutely heart-wrenching. 
And the dogs had become so depressed because after body after body after body they would find and they were hoping to find someone alive. I mean, these dogs, you could see it weighing on them that searchers began taking turns to lay in the rubble themselves and let the dogs find them so that the dogs could actually find a living human to help aid in the dog's depression. So I don't think people realize that this does weigh on the dogs as much as it does the humans. More recently, these dogs have helped convict some murder suspects even when no body is found. Trainers and some forensic scientists say dogs can detect human residue that's been left behind in a trunk or a blanket or a tarp or even a temporary grave. In some cases, the dogs also help pinpoint where area and soil can be tested with increasingly sophisticated detection devices. Now, these devices will test substance called adipocere. And that adipocere can be tested that shows that a body had been there previously. Now, these methods do have some controversy. So it's it's been a little bit difficult getting those through the court systems, but the courts are catching up with the technology and proving what these dogs know is not easy. If only Buster could talk. So as we had talked before, how dogs would alert by sitting. Well, after Buster had lost his leg, he would then walk in circles and nose. And he would sometimes have to make noises because a lot of times it would get busy out in an area. As we have said, it's never an isolated situation as they sometimes show in these news articles. And we will talk about this article a little bit later. But these dogs are never, it's never that isolated situation that it shows a lot of times on TV. So there are times that Buster would sometimes give a sound or, but most of the time we want the dogs to not do that. That is not an alert we want the dogs to give. And so Buster would knock the rock a little bit, kind of nosing it. And Dusty and Buster are and were an amazing team. As a reward, Dusty tosses Buster a blue rubber toy. That's his bone. And we were going to have pictures of this. It's the cutest, most adorable thing in the world. Um, it's a blue rubber bone that he's been holding behind his back. Dusty would always walk with the bone behind his back. Buster wouldn't get the bone, wouldn't get to see the bone until Buster did his job. And he'd always reward Buster with a good boy and the bone. And Buster was a beautiful, adorable good boy. He would light up every room. To the untrained eye, it might seem that Buster is simply barking for that toy. But this routine has helped unearth the remains for so many crime victims to missing Americans lost in World War II in battles of Europe on the South Pacific Island of Tarawa. Dusty and Buster's travels to former war zone to the History Flight Inc., a nonprofit foundation whose mission includes finding tens of thousands of fallen American veterans whose bodies were never recovered. 
Among others, Buster helped find Lieutenant Robert Finstermacher, an Army Air Corps pilot whose plane crashed in Belgium after being shot down in 1944. Last year, his family gathered as he was laid to rest nearly 70 years later in Arlington Cemetery. Now we can finally say to Robert, welcome home. You served your country and family with honor and made us proud. The pilot's great nephew, Robert Finstermacher Jr. said at the funeral as he thanked Buster and Dosti and other search volunteers. History flight volunteers also used ground penetrating radar, which is a sonar radar that we will use periodically. So when you see again, Hollywood changes things. That is why a forensic anthropologist is so important to this part of the job. But what they will do is you will have your cadaver dog and then you will also have um, augers and you will have radar and you will have different equipment. So it's so much more than a dog and a shovel. But other searches are much simpler. Just the handlers and dogs walking on foot mile after mile to find a body. That was how Deborah Palman, now a retired specialist with the Maine Warden Service and her German Shepherd, Alex, found the body of a Canadian woman named Maria Tanishuk in 2003. Police later determined she'd been shot in the head, execution style, by her husband, David Tanishuk. We had worked so long for so many days, a lot of long, hard searches, Palman says. You've sort of thrown yourself into the numbness and you convince yourself you're not going to find what you're looking for. Then during another long day trekking through a forest outside Miramichi, New Brunswick, Palman recalls how Alex ran to her as if to say, hey, hey, I got this, come here, come, follow me. And Palman pulled back some brush and saw a green fabric and signs that there was a body underneath. And she says, my pulse must have shot up over 200 that day. That find was a break in a case that led to David Tanishuk's conviction. Local police departments have been reluctant to use the cadaver dogs for searches because of their trainers are a lot of times volunteers. But that's been changing as dogs trainings have becoming more standardized. As we've talked before, again, certifications here are requiring over 2,000 hours worth of training. There is a reason for that. That is so the courts will accept this. This is not a novel thing. It is so the courts will accept what our animals are doing. It is to make this an accepted science. That is why I push for this so hard.
The dogs are often trained at cemeteries and are specialized body farms that have decomposing bodies at various stages. I know everyone is aware of the body farm in Tennessee that was initiated by Dr. Bill Bass, which some of you may not be aware of. Dr. Bill Bass actually had started at the University of Kansas, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, here in Kansas. So, but the Tennessee Body Farm is not the only body farm in the United States or in the world anymore. It has actually become so much more of a science, so much more accepted. I remember when the body farm in Tennessee was first being developed and there were protesters. Now, as other body farms are still being developed, there are still protesters. Um, it has changed to a different degree. It, it's a little bit different, but the science is becoming more accepted and people are more understanding as to the need and to why this is. But there are so many more body farms across the United States as it's important to have body farms in varying temperatures so that there is a different understanding of how the body decomposes. And that's one of the reasons for the body farms. And it's an also a different place where these animals can also go to learn as well as the humans. While humans, when alive, have individual scents, chemical reactions from decomposition are basically the same in every human. So as much as we think, ha, ha, we're all different, at the base of our all human anatomy, we're all the same. Though those reactions and the scent change over time, forensic experts say when more than one dog has alerted independently in the same spot, some judges have been persuaded to allow cadaver dog evidence and testimony from the dog's handlers, even if investigators haven't found the body. Now guys, this is huge. How many times have you heard this statement? No body, no crime. Well, our wonderful fluffy animals can change that. When more than one dog has alerted independently in the same spot, some judges have been persuaded to allow cadaver dog evidence and testimony from the dog handlers, even if investigators haven't found the body. I would like to tell you about one case where that happened, let's talk about Elizabeth Smart. And would you like to know which dog alerted there first? And that would be our big boy, Buster. Buster was there and Buster alerted. So if you're watching those court case proceedings, keep an ear out for Buster. In February, for instance, cadaver dog evidence helped convict a suburban Chicago man, Ariello Montano, of killing his wife. She disappeared in 1990, 
and although her body was never found, investigators got a tip years later and dug up a rug at a horse farm on which there was more than one cadaver dog alerted. They contended that Montano had wrapped the body in the rug, also identified by his daughter as having once been in their home, and then he buried it. Those same investigators said Montano later exhumed his wife's remains and disposed of them in an unknown location that had yet been found. The dog's alerts, the multiple dog's alerts on that rug, coupled with witness testimony, proved to be enough to convict Montano. That sort of testimony has been less effective on other cases though, and this one really hits me hard. In the high profile 2011 Florida trial of Casey Anthony, the accused killing of her young daughter, more than one cadaver dog alerted on the trunk of Anthony's car. Arpad Voss, a senior research scientist with the Oak Ridge National Lab, testified that using air samples from the trunk, he had found high levels of chloroform, which can be found when a body breaks down. However, that finding was questioned by other witnesses who said the science wasn't ready for prime time. And unlike Montano, Anthony was let go. This pisses me off. Our dogs knew what was in that trunk. But she was let go because the science, the courtroom isn't ready for cadaver dog science. And that makes me angry. If you go back and you look at that case, it should make you angry too. Cadaver dogs are an incredible investigatory tool. No question about it. Lawrence Koblinski, professor and chairman of the Department of Sciences at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York, he says they can help uncover valuable evidence in criminal cases, not just a body or bones, like even clothing. But he is among those who doesn't think the dog's alerts and subsequent tests of soil and air they shouldn't be admissible in court just yet. He thinks they need to strengthen the science. And I don't agree with him. Yes, I do think science is always growing. I think science is always changing. But if we don't get this in the courts now, killers continue to walk free and kill again. Victims and their families continue to wait for justice. The killer continues to evade justice while you are waiting on what you, when is science good enough? In the Anthony case, they had a body. Even in investigations, 
Dogs alerting is often, it, it's just the first step in what can be a lengthy, sometimes fruitless endeavor. Everybody thinks you just dig a hole, but it isn't always that obvious. Now, Voss says it's, it's continuing to develop technology, and I, I love Voss. Voss is intricate in making this go forward. If you haven't read any of Voss's publications, I, I think you should, because I agree with what Voss says. Dogs are just one of the tools in the toolbox. As Voss states, clandestine graves have chemical markers that are associated with human decomposition. And buried bodies create a chemical plume that runs downhill from a grave. And these dogs in the toolbox are important. And, and I understand that cost is a huge factor. That's why these dogs are so important. Remember us talking about olfactory receptor cells? That isn't a pie-in-the-sky mentality, as Koblinski seems to think it is. It is a tangible piece of evidence. It has been proven. These dogs have been able to smell COVID. These dogs are able to smell cancer. Why does Koblinski not think they can smell where a body was? Cost is a factor. In Plumas County, California, Buster and two other dogs have alerted on an outdoor well on separate occasions. The well is near the home where 13-year-old Mark Wilson was living when he disappeared in 1967. Wilson has never been found. Now, Plumas County Sheriff Greg Hogwood can't be sure the body is in that well, but he thinks it's worth investigating. So much so, he believes in Buster so much that he has asked for assistance from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which in turn believes in Buster so much that they have offered their forensics team. The Sheriff's Department, however, still must foot the estimated $96,474 to excavate and restore the site, which is in front of a home. Now, that's not a small amount of money in a county, once that had been really busy with logging and the lumber, and it's been hit by hard economic times. So people think, oh, you, and we, I hear this a lot in the Mari case, when they think a body might be somewhere where you just go dig it up. Well, there are repercussions to that. You can't just do that. Homeowners aren't willing. People live there now. This is an old case. They don't want their home torn up. They want it, and the city cannot just foot this bill. Where does the funding come from? So they have tried to reach out. And the funding was turned down by the county board. But some of these law enforcement officials, like the sheriff, they keep going. They're looking. And he's seeking funding from other foundations and other sources. So some of these law enforcement, it's, it's not that they give up. He's looking, where else can I find money? 
So just because you don't hear about it and just because you don't see it, these sheriff's offices are trying to find ways to find the money. He believes in Buster. He's trying to find the money for it. And he wants to find Wilson. Because as he says, how can I justify not pursuing this? I just can't. Buster, meanwhile, he kept working. And he made another long trip to Tarawa. And Noah of History Flight, they paid for his bone cancer surgery. So Buster became the three-legged cadaver dog. as Which is why we told you that he nosed instead of sitting. And as Dosti said, as long as he wanted to get up and go to work, it was up to him. He kept working. Until one day, Buster's body could not keep up with his desire to keep finding the lost. On February 27, 2016, our community had received the following letter. Hello, friends. Tonight at about 5.30 p.m., I had just finished cleaning the horse pens. Buster was waiting in front of our cabin to play with his tire that was in his mouth. I threw the tire for him, and he took off running to fetch the tire. About 15 feet away from the tire, his legs went out from under him, and he collapsed on his right side. It's been years and this still hits hard. His tongue was hanging out of his mouth into the dirt and he was barely breathing. I was petting him as a cry of anguish came from deep inside and he died. It was over in less than 60 seconds. Buster died doing what he loved. What an incredible effect that Buster has had on my life. We have gone all over the world together and it was all because of him and his love of searching. His alerts on Tarawa still resulting in, in recoveries. Tomorrow, I will bury Buster on a hill that overlooks the ranch. I will bury him with his blue bone and the blanket that Nancy Eklund made for him. The blanket and bone have traveled all over the world with Buster. I wanted to get this email out to you all while I am still in a state of shock and disbelief. And before the grieving process overwhelms me, which is starting now. Feel free to forward to anyone I forgot. Thanks, Paul. I wanted to share that with anyone who's interested in pause in the law because Buster was a leading example 
and Buster finished his final call that day. Buster had been to the Manson Ranch. Buster had covered the Black Dahlia case. Buster had been to Scotland and found remains underwater. Buster had found hits in the area of Kristen Smart. And his nose will possibly close many other cases that are still pending. We will provide links to all the amazing cases Buster and Paul worked together. Thank you to all that are listening. We will provide ways that you could continue. We will provide ways that you guys can continue to support cadaver dogs and cadaver dog research. Thank you again for listening. Stay safe.